Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, what is in the water at the Invercargill City Council? Yesterday, we had a councillor named Nigel Skelt in the gun for suggesting to a young woman who worked for him at the city's indoor stadium that she would look good naked jelly wrestling in a sandpit or some such stupid, immature and frankly dopey comment. In the end, Nigel Skelt left the job and the teenage girl was paid $3,000 for the hurt she suffered. But Nigel Skelt remains a city councillor, even though he hasn't been at a council meeting since the middle of April. Now another councillor, Alex Crackett, says that when she was first elected, she was called by another male councillor, Twin Peaks, a reference, of course, to the size of her breasts. Now, I don't know how long ago that was, but either way, it's another example of behaviour, which, shall we say, is not exactly adult in nature. However, as Alex Crackett goes on to make public comments which generalise about what she sees as ageism being displayed by men in positions of power against young women trying to make their mark, she could help her cause by naming names, why not say who called her Twin Peaks? Let the Invercargill community know a little of the character of one of their councillors and then make up their minds about him at the next election. Look, it's not a resigning offence to call Alex Crackett Twin Peaks. I don't think Nigel Skeltz is either, as far as the council's concerned. He quite rightly lost his job at the stadium. But if we are serious about stopping sexist and ageist comments in local body politics, and in fact, in the community in general. Let us know who's making them, eh, Alex? To some correspondence, some feedback, which has come into inbox at realitycheck.radio. The first is some correspondence from an anonymous writer. Uh, Hi, Peter. I'm increasingly concerned about the COVID response and WHO proposed pandemic treaty, which will be legally binding for 192 countries quite possibly uh, New Zealand. I work in health. I feel lied to, disappointed in myself for not questioning sooner. The Ministry of Health, the WHO, the NZNO, the New Zealand Nurses Organisation, the Medical Council, were organisations and governing bodies I would look up to. Now I'm not so sure. As for the WHO treaty, Mr Bridgen in the UK Parliament raised some excellent concerns, yet he's been expelled from Parliament this week for quoting the word Holocaust when quoting concerns re-mRNA vaccines by 25 cardiologists. Please be mindful of the fact we have already had three children die in this country from whooping cough. We also have lower-than-desired immunisation rates for measles and other largely preventable childhood illnesses. These vaccines work entirely differently. They have saved millions of lives and they have a large body of evidence supporting the high efficacy. As stated above, I would like to remain anonymous at this stage, including even my first name. Yes, I know you work in health and you 
need to get paid for doing a job. I can respect that. Thank you for your comments, though. Uh, then this one, this is kind of interesting. Uh, it's from Claire. She says, I used to work for an accounting firm that specialised in accounting for schools. In 2022, the Ministry of Education provided $11,000 for first-time principals if they were new to the position over the three-year COVID period. This is as a wellness package to over 500 schools. I didn't know about this. If you read through the reporting requirements, the spending of the $11,000 for principals' well-being is accounted for by a simple survey to the MOE as they didn't want to burden first-time principals with extra reporting. I was told by my manager that a principal had asked our accounting firm if he could buy golf clubs, and the response was yes. If he could justify, that contributed to his well-being. It would be interesting to see how those funds were actually spent. Uh, that's quite a staggering revelation, frankly. I did not know that some principals were given an $11,000 well-being package during the COVID years. Maybe there were lots of sets of golf clubs that were purchased as a consequence. Uh, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, no wonder we have inflation with loose government spending like that. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even better, if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. Here's another quick piece of correspondence. It comes in via text to 2057. Uh, it reads simply, Loving it all, although my son described Peter's afternoon tunes as conversion therapy. Mm, I don't know whether or not that's an insult or a compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. On with the show. Uh, there's an old saying in business that the customer is always right. But in the case of the European television rights for the FIFA Women's World Cup to be played here and in Australia in a couple of months, the customer, that is the TV networks, know what they are doing. And they're not getting the rights at the price they want. The last time this event was played, it was in Europe, in France. The audiences, therefore, were huge. That's hardly surprising. They were in a very convenient time zone for watching the matches. This time the matches played here and in Australia means that they'll be on early in the morning and in the middle of summer in Europe, not primetime viewing. But FIFA says the networks are not paying enough. So for now, they're not selling. The FIFA boss, Giovanni Infantino, is also taking a rather arrogant and bullying attitude. He reckons the networks have a duty to buy the rights to promote women's sport at a good price. No, they don't have any duty at all. They have a duty only to provide good quality content at the most economical price. Now, I know it's a standoff at the moment. It will be settled, of course. I mean, could FIFA really keep a World Cup away from where their biggest television audience lives? Of course not. But FIFA do risk over-egging an event, which even in its host nations, frankly, is battling to keep interest up. This way, there are still plenty of tickets left for many of the group stage matches being played in New Zealand. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, 
Reality Check Radio. Australia, it seems, is on its way to effectively banning vaping by making vapes and those pipe-looking things only available at pharmacies through prescription. This frankly seems pretty draconian. Yes, the number of people vaping seems to be increasing, but while it can't be good for you, try to change a population's behaviour by banning something usually only results in one thing. That's an underground market, a black market. Watch how that develops in Australia. The health minister here says we won't be going down the same path. If there are concerns about how many people are vaping in New Zealand, though, we need to do two things. The same two things we did to reduce the number of people smoking tobacco. One, we put the price up and up. Probably it's got too high in this country, so that's why we have this uh, black market emerging, which is dangerous, especially for the, uh, the dairy owners. But secondly, we educated the public over a period of time to realise that smoking was ultimately an unhealthy activity, and socially unacceptable. It took 25 years, but it worked. I mean, who smokes now? Hardly anyone that I know. So in the first instance, if you want to reduce vaping, put a tax on it. Then start telling people that it's bad for them. I don't know how bad, but surely anything with chemicals that goes in your lungs cannot be great for you. But then if people want to kill themselves, frankly, that is their problem. As long as I don't have to smell it. Uh, some correspondence which has come into inbox at realitycheck.radio. Hi, Peter. Just heard you talking about Tucker, as in Tucker Carlson, and agree with what you said. I also now know why Robert Kennedy Jr. isn't mentioned on mainstream US media or on our media. I've been following R. Kennedy Jr. for weeks. It was Tucker's last show on Fox. It was good to see him speaking the truth. Good to hear you on the radio again, too. Uh, Thank you for that, Stephen. Uh, In reference to the Grant Schofield interview, which we had here last Friday afternoon, uh, this is from Margaret. Grant Schofield sounded quite disillusioned in his interview with you. I would just like him to know that he changed my life with his book, What the Fat, which I read five years ago after reading an article in North and South. I changed my diet accordingly, which resulted in multiple health benefits. So I am now more healthy in my 60s than when I was in my 20s. I have learned and implemented heaps of health things in the past five years. But his book was the starting point for me. That's great to hear, Margaret, and I can understand how Grant Schofield's book has really turned your life around. You know, Grant Schofield speaks what I would call just common sense. I mean, surely anybody with a skerrick of uh, education, a skerrick of information about a healthy life knows that if you eat well, sleep well, and exercise plenty, your chances of not getting sick increase considerably. Yet you never hear that message from our government, from our Ministry of Health, not even from our general practitioners, do we? Everything seems to be about pharmaceutical interventions. And all Grant Schofield is doing is just saying what everybody really should know. And Margaret's uh, email there has just proved the point, surely. Now, of all the crazy and unnecessary schemes launched by this government, the merging of the polytechs would surely be 
the stupidest. Yes, lots of them were unsuccessful, but that's because they obviously didn't adapt well to their market. They didn't offer the quality of courses which appealed to potential students. Uh, down south in Otago and Southland, the polytechs were going just fine. Maybe the reasons for their success could have been translated to the unsuccessful ones further north. Or maybe the worst performing of them could have just been shut down. But no, this government just decided to merge them all. So we've got Tepukenga, and it has been a disaster. Budget blowouts, a doubling up on executive positions, a chief executive who couldn't cope, so he left, but he was paid for months until his exit deal was finalised. Now we hear that the head office, which was supposed to be in Hamilton, is in reality in Auckland, because that's where the chief executive is working from. The whole show is a shambles, and it faces a $63 million loss this year. If National gets into government, they say they're unwinding the whole thing, and quickly. All I can say to that is good. The sooner, the better. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, I used to be on the board of the Taxpayers' Union, and until recently, I also did a bit of podcasting work for them. So I have an affinity with them and generally agree with the stance that they have on the issues that they raise. But I reckon they've got it badly wrong on the National Party's policy on contributions to the New Zealand Super Fund. It's known as the Cullen Fund, of course. Chris Luxon says that his party will continue to make contributions if they get into government, despite the increasing government debt and economic headwinds that we all know about. Now, this is the opposite of what Bill English and the national government did back in 2009 when the GFC, the global financial crisis, hit. That was a decision which has cost the fund billions. We should all know by now the way to grow wealth, whether for an individual or for a country, is to invest steadily and consistently to take the good markets with the bad, and history has proved that you get great returns over time. The Nat should have kept making contributions to the Cullen Fund back then, even with borrowed money. The rates of return during the period from 2010 to 2017 during the market's bull run would have comfortably covered the interest on that borrowed money. You know, since it started back in 2003, 20 years ago, the fund has averaged a before-tax return of about 10% a year. Uh, the fund, a couple of nights ago, reported its current total was $61.7 billion. $61.7 billion. That's how much the New Zealand Super Fund was worth a couple of days ago. That's up $6 billion since the most recent annual report, which was only last June. Bill English stopped contributions in October of 2009. The fund was worth $15 billion then. When Grant Robertson resumed them, the government uh, resumed the government contributions rather in early 2018, the fund had grown to $38 billion. So the folly of continuing to not contribute to a long-term strategic sovereign wealth fund during those boom years really defies belief. And that's why Christopher Luxon is making a great call to keep the saving going. The fund is an investment for the country's future. All up, the government has put in about $23 billion in 20 years, and now has $61 billion to show for it. That's why you keep on saving. It is a long-term strategic asset 
that will grow if you keep contributing. The National Party have got it right this time. The Taxpayers' Union, I believe, have got it very wrong. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Thank you for your company on this Wednesday afternoon. This is Peter Williams signing off. I look forward to talking with you again on Friday. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR Reality Check Radio